Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Max Lucado tells the following story about a time when he was living in Brazil. He writes the following. One day as I was walking along the street on my way to a university to teach a class, I felt a tug on my pants leg. Turning around, I saw a little boy about five or six years old with dark beady eyes and a dirty little face. The little boy looked up at me and said, Por favor, senor. Bread, sir. He was a little beggar boy. Max Licato states, There are always little beggar boys in the streets of Brazil. Usually I turn away from them because there are so many and you can't feed them all. But there was something compelling about this little boy so that I couldn't turn away. So I took his hand and said, come with me. And I took him into a coffee shop just down the street. And I told the owner, I'll have a cup of coffee and give the boy a piece of pastry, whatever he wants. The coffee counter was at the other end of the store, so I walked over to get a cup of coffee, forgetting about the little boy. Because when beggar boys get their bread, they usually run away and disappear. But this one didn't. After he received his pastry, he walked over and unnoticed by me, just stood there beside me until I felt his staring eyes. I turned and looked at him. He looked down. And then slowly his eyes came back up until they met mine. Then the little boy holding his pastry in one hand said, Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And then he ran off. Max says, I was so touched by the boy's thanks that I would have bought him the whole store. I just sat there for another 30 minutes late for my class just thinking about a little beggar boy who came back and said thank you. And he finished with this thought. I wonder if God feels the same. I wonder how pleased our Lord must be when His children, beggars all, come to Him and rightly say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you very much. Luke 17 tells of an account about one who returned and gave thanks. And we can only imagine how this touched the heart of the Savior. And it reminds us of God's desire for our thanksgiving and worship, which is rightly due to Him. Luke 17, 11 and 12 reads, And it came to pass, as He went to Jerusalem, that He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as He entered into a certain village, there met Him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Here in Luke 17, we are in the final months of the Lord's earthly ministry, Luke states in verse 11 that as he went to Jerusalem, the Lord is traveling and ultimately headed to Jerusalem for the Passover at which he was crucified. He arrives in Jerusalem in Luke 19, verse 28. As the Lord traversed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, he entered a certain unnamed village. Here, ten leprous men standing at a distance met him. Leprosy is a horrific disease which attacks the nerves and the skin. 
It compromises the, the body's ability to feel pain. Leprosy results in open sores, ulcers, lumps on the hands, feet, and face. The face and various parts of the body swell. The disease results in missing fingers and toes and damaged limbs. It can destroy the eyes and cause blindness as well. The disease still occurs in more than 120 countries with more than 200,000 new cases reported yearly. So the disease of leprosy is still with us. God laid down strict instructions and commandments about leprosy for Israel in the law. Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 outline a very long and careful prescription for determining whether someone had this disease. And the health inspectors were the priests. That was part of the priest's function, since they were responsible for knowing the law of God and applying it to Israel in her worship and daily life. If it was discovered that one had leprosy, Leviticus 13, 45, and 46 reads, And the leper in whom the plague is shall cry, Unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled, he is unclean. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Numbers 5, 1 and 2 tells us, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper. Lepers were religiously and socially defiled and unclean. Put them out of the camp of Israel was God's command. The disease was too horrible to leave lepers near the healthy in Israel. They were removed from all social contact, and the only people they could ever associate with were other lepers. They couldn't go near the people they needed most in life, their family and friends. They couldn't associate with other people in Israel or any, in any social environment whatsoever. They were aliens from all of life and were left only with others in the same misery. And so it's a little wonder that when Christ came to the outskirts of this village, that these men cry out to him collectively for his mercy and help. Luke seventeen thirteen and 14 read, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that, as they went, they were cleansed. The ten men were legally required by the law of Moses to stand at a distance, and thus their communication with Christ was by lifting up their voices and shouting. The lepers only came as near to the Lord as they could so that they could shout and be heard. And they all shouted to the Lord, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They refer to Christ as Master, which means Chief Commander. Only Luke uses this particular Greek word in Scripture. The title speaks of one who has authority and power, one who commanded and obedience was required. The disciples use this title when they were on the stormy sea of Galilee. And Luke 8.24 says that they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Like the disciples, by using this title, the ten lepers affirmed that they recognized the notable authority 
and limitless power of Christ. The lepers knew and believed that Christ was Lord and in command of disease. And if he commanded disease to be removed, their disease of leprosy would obey. In using this title, it shows that they fully believed that Christ was able to help them. So they obviously had some exposure to and had heard of his power and healing miracles, which were widely known in Samaria and Galilee. These men had no way out of their dilemma. There were no cures or solutions. But now, Jesus, the chief commander, was there. So suddenly they had hope for healing, and they cry out for mercy. They were desperate men, and they saw this as their only hope, their only chance. Along with Christ's power and miracles being well known to these men, His mercy was likewise widely known, and so they say, have mercy on us. By crying out for mercy, they recognized their need and that they were in a dilemma about which they could do nothing. They were unable to help themselves, unable to solve their problem. They knew they must depend on a superior power for any hope of deliverance. And they realized that their only hope for healing was His mercy and not their worthiness. And all of this reminds us how it's the same way with us in our sins. We too must cry out for mercy, recognizing our need and that our sins are something about which we can do nothing to help ourselves. We are unable to solve the problem of sin separating us from God forever in the lake of fire. Our only hope for deliverance in life is God's mercy and grace and not our worthiness. So we must depend on God and His infinitely superior power to deliver us from our sins by His mercy. And He does just that when you come to Him in faith, believing that Christ fully paid your sin debt, that He died for your sins and rose again. And thus, as Titus 3.5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. With the leper the Lord had healed earlier in His ministry, that man had approached the Lord, and the Lord came near and touched him when He healed him. Christ had no reluctance to go near the lepers or to touch lepers. In this case, however, He didn't do this. He didn't go to those ten lepers, and he didn't call them over to him. They cried out to him from a distance, so he healed them from a distance. He just gave them a simple instruction. Go show yourselves to the priests. He could have said, be healed, and they would have been healed. But he didn't do that. Our Lord was doing a couple things here. First, he's testing their faith. Second, he's affirming and upholding the law of Moses. They were under the law here, not under grace like we are today. When you are in the Gospels, you are under the law in God's dealings with Israel. It is in Paul's letters that the church finds our grace instruction from Christ for this current age. And in upholding the law, which required one who is cleansed of leprosy to go show yourself to the priest, 
That's why the Lord gave that instruction. After the Lord healed a leper earlier in Luke 5, he likewise told him, Go and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded. The Lord knew Leviticus 13 and 14. He knew it because he was the one who gave the law to Moses. And as chief commander, he commanded these lepers to fulfill the commands, the mandates, and obligations of the law. Healed leprosy required one to go to the priests. If the priests saw that they were clean, there was a long, involved protocol they had to go through. There were ceremonies, washings, and sacrifices that needed to be offered. It was an elaborate thing when somebody was certified as cleansed from leprosy. So in order to re-enter Jewish society as whole, cleansed men, the Lord tells them to travel to Jerusalem to meet with the priests. But a person would not want to go anywhere near Jerusalem or the priests there if they still had leprosy. The priest had no power to heal them. He was only designated as the one to pronounce them clean. But here the Lord sends them to the health inspectors with their disease to go to the priests while they were still lepers. And thus his call to go to the priests had took faith in the unseen to against hope, to believe in hope. Christ's command implies that they would be healed, but he didn't tell them directly that they would be. It implied they should exhibit to the priests the evidence that they were clean and then to obtain permission from them to be restored into society. Christ commanded them to go to fulfill his command and to fulfill the commands of the law. And these ten men obeyed him, believing in the power, authority, and mercy of Christ. They, under, they understood what his words meant according to the law, and they probably had a little hop in their step as they turned to go. But when they turned without having any evidence yet of being clean to show the priests. And when they began to go towards Jerusalem, towards the priests, with full intention to go there, it was an act of faith. And verse 14 says that as they went, they were cleansed. One of the things that has always stunned me in looking at the Lord's miracles is how understated each one is. You expect the scriptures to read something like, Then the sky grew black, and it began to thunder, and lightning flashed across the firmament. And Christ said, Be healed, and the earth shook, and their leprosy suddenly left them. It's never like this. These ten lepers just turned, started walking toward Jerusalem, and as they went, they were made whole, healed, just like that. For Christ to heal them, it was just in the normal course of him being God. And miracles for him are simple, piece of cake. So they're stated simply and matter-of-factly in Scripture. Even though it's stated simply, the miracle must have been astounding for these men. You can imagine them as they're walking, suddenly looking at each other and saying, Whoa, wait a minute. And they looked at themselves and Their skin had cleared and the sores had disappeared and one looked at the other and another looked at the rest and 
it all dawned on them, and then you imagine them beginning cheering and shouting in their glee, and their nightmare now was over. This was a, a stunning and joyful moment for them. Their healing is defined as they were cleansed, which means nothing was left. Nothing was left of their leprosy throughout their whole body. It was gone. They were whole. And it's the same way with our sins and our spiritual cleansing by Christ's shed blood. There's nothing left. Our sins, past, present, future, they're gone forever. We're whole. All ten had leprosy. All ten had headed toward the priests. All ten were healed. All ten rejoiced. But then their commonality was broken. Luke seventeen fifteen to 19 reads, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto them, unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. As the others continued down the road in the direction of the priests, one of them who was healed stopped in his tracks. When he saw that he was healed, in other words, he was looking at his hands and his arms and his legs, and he stopped and considered and he thought for a moment. He processed what this meant. He thought about all the implications now of being able to go back home to family, to friends, to society, and to regular life. And he turned back. He turned around and he looked. And he understood another implication of what had just happened, that he was in the presence of God. And he turned, when he turned, he looked at the one who had delivered him from so much by his mercy. And then he cried out with a loud voice and glorified God for Christ and for his deliverance that he had experienced by him. All ten of them cried with a loud voice, Have mercy on us! But only one of them cried with a loud voice, glorifying God, thanking the Lord for, for His mercy. The words loud voice are the Greek words megaphone. So with a mega loud voice at the top of his lungs, he glorified God. He let loose His praise of Christ. He cried out, glorifying God's Son. And not only this, then he ran back to Christ to express his deep gratitude for His kindness. To express gratitude to Him for the gift He had received. He came back full of joy, amazement, and wonder to thank the Lord. As He ran up to the Lord, He hits the dirt and fell down on His, on his face at His feet. And He worshipped Him and thanked Him for the suffering He had escaped thanked Him for the horror He had been delivered from. The Lord asked a couple questions in verse 17 that are convicting. That point out the ingratitude and indifference of the other nine men. Were there not ten cleansed, He asked? The structure in the original Greek expects a positive answer 
There were ten cleansed, weren't there? And then he asked the second question, but where are the nine? The where is a punctuation point in the original Greek. In other words, the question was, but the nine, they are where? They ought to be here. They're where? No answer is given. They didn't have any interest in Christ anymore. They got what they wanted out of them. They were takers. Presumably, the nine were on their way to the priests in Jerusalem to bring the proper sacrifice and to worship God in the temple. But one of them rightly first came to Christ with a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving for His goodness and mercy and to worship God in the person of Jesus Christ. All the healed lepers should have been grateful for the providence of God that brought Christ into their area, for the love that caused Christ to pay attention to them and their need, and for the mercy and power of God that brought their complete healing. But impatient and wanting to get to the priest so they could be restored to society and normal life, the other nine overlooked the Lord. It's human nature to overlook God's goodness. We all do it. We all forget to be thankful. But an account like this reaches for our hearts, causes us to, to it challenges us to remember Him more and to be more grateful to Him in life. Psalm 107 verse 8 states, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Then in verse 19, the Lord said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Everybody, all ten of these men were made whole. Your faith has made you whole. Suggests that whereas the nine were cleansed from leprosy, the tenth was also saved from his sins. In Luke 7, the Lord forgave the sins of a woman, and there he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Thy faith hath made thee whole, here in Luke 17, 19, is translated from the exact same Greek words and means the same thing. Thy faith hath saved thee. The nine were going to Jerusalem to be declared clean by the priests, but this man turned back because of his faith in Jesus as Israel's Messiah, he was declared to be saved from his sins by the Son of God. And so this man experienced two miracles that day. Leprosy in Scripture is a picture of sin. We are each afflicted with the leprosy of the soul, the condemnation of sin, which makes us unclean and places us outside the camp, as it were, or separates us from God and His life and presence in heaven. In this condition, we are absolutely helpless to save ourselves, but by God's mercy, we have been made clean spiritually by Christ. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or made us alive together, with Christ, by grace, ye are saved. 
by God's mercy, love, and grace through Christ's death and His resurrection, our sins have been washed away. We have been made whole. We are saved. This man stopped. He thought about all the implications of his deliverance, the suffering he had escaped, the horror he had been delivered from, the new life he had been given, and it led him to express gratitude to Christ for the gift that he had received. And so as we stop and think of the implications of our deliverance from all our sins, of our rescue from the suffering and horrors of the lake of fire, we stop and think about the new life in Christ we have been given. We should glorify God and continually express our gratitude to Christ for the gift of salvation we have received from His finished work. And verse 16 is something I imagine we will all do in glory. When we see our Savior for the first time, how we will run up to Him, fall on our face at His feet, worship Him, and give Him thanks. Thanking Him for saving us, for giving us life and an eternal home in heaven. A man was once in a veteran's hospital. He had a young son, and during his confinement in the hospital, he'd made a little wooden truck for his boy. The boy was not allowed to go into the ward and visit his father, so an orderly brought the gift down to the child, who was waiting in front of the hospital with his mother. The father was looking out of an upper floor window, watching his son unwrap the gift. The little boy opened the package, and his eyes got wide when he saw this amazing little truck. He hugged it to his chest, and he jumped around in his excitement. Meanwhile, the father was walking back and forth, waving his arms behind the window pane, trying to get his son's attention. The little boy put the truck down, reached up, and hugged the orderly. All the while, the father was going through all these dramatic gestures, trying to say, It's me, son. I made the truck for you. I gave that to you. Look up here. And finally, the mother and the orderly turned the boy's attention to that upper floor window. It was then that the boy cried out to his father, Dad, thank you. I miss you, Dad. Come home soon. Thank you for my truck. And the father stood in the window wiping tears from his eyes. It's good to have a time of year that reminds us to look up and return thanks for God's goodness and His gifts and His manifold blessings. It reminds us also that we should be continually giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society 
is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.